they were thinking I'm spreading evil and uh, I'm doing a bad thing. But the only gun I used to fight with them was just a smile. And I think a smile was enough to make them understand that I won't give up. And what I'm doing is right and what you're doing is not right. Hello and welcome to the Better Travel Podcast. I am your host, travel journalist Paige McClanahan, here today to bring you episode six of season three of the show. So episode six, that means we are officially halfway through our episodes for the season, which is just flying by. You know, I really hope you're enjoying the conversations I've been bringing you here on the podcast, you know, maybe finding them informative or inspiring or just piquing your interest in something new. You know, I feel so lucky in my work as a journalist. You know, I get to speak to so many fascinating people in the travel world. And it honestly feels like a privilege to have the chance to share some of those conversations with you here on the podcast, which is really why I started this show in the first place. But I've done a lot of interviews over the years, you know, both for the podcast and for my print journalism. And every so often, I have a conversation with someone that just kind of stops me in my tracks. And you know, my interview with today's guest definitely falls into that category. So today, I'm bringing you my conversation with Fatima Heydari, who is Afghanistan's first female tour guide. So you're going to hear Fatima speak really passionately about what inspired her to choose to work as a tour guide, which is something she did starting at the age of 20, even though she didn't have the support of her family, at least at first, and even though doing that work actually put her life in danger. But Fatima also speaks really beautifully of the history and culture of her home city of Herat, and why she felt so compelled to share this place with visitors from all over the world. So just a heads up that the final 15 minutes or so of my conversation with Fatima gets a little intense. This is when Fatima shares her story from last year, when the Taliban took over Afghanistan. So I should say that Fatima is no longer in her home country. She's actually studying at a university in Milan right now. But she was still in Afghanistan when the Taliban began to take over. She was working as a tour guide in Herat. She was also running a women's empowerment group where she was teaching women to read. And she had a radio program in which she shared inspiring stories of accomplished women. But all of that ended when the Taliban took over. So in the final part of our conversation, Fatima shares her own story of how she ended up leaving her home country amid the violence of the Taliban takeover. But of course, Afghanistan is about so much more than the Taliban. And this is really what Fatima wants to celebrate and share. So I started my conversation with her by asking Fatima what she wants the world to know about her home country. If I consider Afghanistan before Taliban, I knew Afghanistan is only now because of its war explosion and probably when you first Whenever you heard like the word of Afghanistan, only the picture of mines, explosions, terror and things like this would have come to your mind. But actually, Afghanistan was not about all those things. I cannot like ignore insecurity or those explosions, things like this that were going on in Afghanistan. But it was only in some parts. Another part, which is the positive part of Afghanistan, is uh, I think it is undiscovered and Probably nobody else than travelers who have been to Afghanistan know those parts. 
Actually, Afghanistan is full of beautiful things, natural beauty, historical beauty, and yeah, a lot of like historical attractions, monuments, and like putting everything apart. The people are so nice and hospitable with a nice culture. I'm sure you would love to explore it. And yeah, I think you will, you will enjoy it. Like, Things would be much different than I think European or American countries. If you go to a tea house and drink a simple cup of tea, but you will listen to very interesting stories and you will be, I think people would be glad to ask you to talk to you and to share with you what they have, no matter if they are poor. I think you would love that. Oh, fascinating. Thank you. And until last year, you were living and working as a tour guide in Herat. Is that right? Can you tell me about the city? Okay. Well, generally, like when we are talking about Afghanistan, Afghanistan has been the graveyard of so many empires. So as so many empires, including Genghis Khan or Genghis Khan, I pronounce it, Alexander the Great or Mongols or like so many like Persian or I mean local empires have been there or even like the British government, they have been there. So we call it or it is called actually the graveyard of empires. But Every empire that has gone there has left something which is very interesting and that is actually brought a great diversity in Afghanistan in through history and actually historical or touristic attractions. So Herat is one of those cities who has been, I think, the home of so many empires, political parties and also quite a religious place. Also, of course, when we go to the Herat Great Mosque or the Blue Mosque, which is the world's fifth biggest mosques. Of course, if you don't consider the shrines, it is the fifth biggest mosque and it is designed with highly detailed turquoise and blue and colorful tiles where the tiles are just created or they're handmade by some very specialists or a few but doing a great job and they remain from during the rich time. Besides being a mosque, it, it has been also an educational place. Once actually you may have heard or you may have seen like in news that Afghanistan once was like uh, European countries, especially like before the Taliban's period, who have took over Afghanistan 20 years ago. And that place was very important educational center where students from India, Iran, like mostly Asia, they came there and like there were great scientists who were teaching there. Like one of them is Haj Abdullah Ansari, who his shrine is wonderful spot and I think you will just miss yourself or you will just lose yourself among a lot of historical attractions it's more a historical city but you will like hear nice stories oh that's fascinating the world's fifth biggest mosque that sounds amazing and incredibly beautiful I'm curious whether you saw many tourists in Herat you know before the Taliban took over was tourism, you know, a big sort of industry or a big activity in the city? Yeah, actually, I started to be a tour guide like January of 2020. So it was like during the pandemic. So even during the pandemic, like mostly Afghanistan's government or people were not the pandemic very seriously. So whoever who wanted to run away, like 
from pandemic and from quarantine, so they would love to come to Afghanistan. For example, I've guided a group of people from Thailand, I think around five or six people. They stayed in Afghanistan like around three months and they just... I think it's the second time, even if there is Taliban in Afghanistan, it's the second time they have been to Afghanistan. And we had people who were coming to Afghanistan like for the third and for the fourth time. Just we were wondering how and they were saying we simply love this country. We simply just love this culture. And yeah, probably, actually not probably, but surely for the one who goes to Afghanistan, Hebrat is a must do one because in each province of Afghanistan you will find something different and Herat is one of the most different one. I think the country that I had the most guests from it was Spain so yeah I'm simply in love with Spanish people and Spain because there were a lot of people coming from Spain but I had guests from like all around the world like even India, Jamaica and America or European countries I think maybe like not from every country but like from most of the countries who have uh, tourists. Wonderful. Oh, I'm delighted to hear that people were coming from so many different parts of the world to explore Herat. And I know that you worked as a tour guide with Untamed Borders. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about the company, but also how you came to work for them. The way I started to be a tour guide, it was a little bit strange because when I started university, I got a project to search or to do a research about Afghanistan's historical attractions. And as I was Doing this project, I found out that opposite of what media outlets and media just reflects to the world, Afghanistan isn't actually even 20%. It's not like that. It's very like there are beautiful things and there is a great beauty and there is a great richness in the culture and in like... So I started... I, I mean, I wanted to do it oppositely. So the very small thing I could start to do it it was creating a Facebook account for myself and yeah thanks to technology and apps things like this so I created my Facebook account and I joined an English speaker group so every day that I was doing my research and I was finding out something nice about Afghanistan I was also copying a photo from Google about from that place and every day I was writing a piece on that group so my posts like were interesting for some travelers who were a part of that group and like just one day I didn't believe it but two people or two travelers from Ukraine they just contacted me and messaged me hi Fatima we just love your posts about Afghanistan and now we are deciding to come to your country so definitely we will visit your city as you're saying a lot about that and if you have the time the energy so please like guide us or show us your city so for me actually as I told you Afghanistan is a country where we cannot travel a lot but so we love to connect to the people in the world and that was I think that was a great opportunity for me to explore my city together with them and for the first time like sharing about Afghanistan from perspective of a woman and I truly believe that if I share positive things about Afghanistan to them they will share with their friends and their friends will share about uh, to other friends so it could be transferred more and more widely. I think it was next week that Untamed Border, they contacted me. Hi, we are contacting from Untamed Border and Constantine and Big Top, they were our friend. 
And they like highly talked about your knowledge about Afghanistan's attractions and about your communication skills. So next time we are coming to observe, observe if you can do this job or not. So I think next week they came with a group of five people from different countries with different accents. And they told me, you have one day to just manage your time and guide these people. So there were two people, I think James, who is the founder of Antenborde and with another tour guide. So yeah, they observed and I just did my best because it was, for me, it was a great opportunity. And it was actually the beginning of a new nice journey and I really wanted to do. So yeah, I did my best. And yeah, they said you're hired and be ready for your next guest who is from Jamaica. So they are organizing tours in Afghanistan, but besides organizing tours, they are doing some great jobs like supporting women to do sports like running like cycling and doing skiing and yeah also they are organizing tours all around Afghanistan and it was such a nice experience working with them but I do still work with them I organize some virtual tours to Afghanistan together with them so yeah they really supported me and I'm truly happy experiencing uh, guiding tours around with Antem Border. So I'm curious, what kind of reactions did you get from your family and friends after you started to work as a tour guide? I mean, were they supportive of you in this new role? Well, definitely not. Because, you know, as I told you, in 21st century, I was the first. And that can be surprising for the world. For me, like both I was happy and sad, happy because... I was the reason to start a new journey and actually a new adventure another woman could join. So I, I could start from something, but sad because in 21st century, I was the only and the first. And that was not like, I think we should be furthermore and there should be a lot of women guiding tours all around Afghanistan. But so it was not very accepted. Actually, generally in Afghanistan, uh, especially in some conservative provinces like Herat, Kandahar and other provinces, for women, women are not allowed to work in an office that there are only men. You can work, for example, there should be both men and women and not a woman alone. So my job, most of my guests were men. So it was an unaccepted job for a woman to guide tours and to work with foreigners. Actually, it was an unaccepted job, but I wanted to do it. Like the first time that I guided those two people from Ukraine, I never talked to my family about that. And they were thinking I'm in the university and actually nobody else knew that I'm doing that. But once I started to work with Untamed Border, I told myself that now it's time I share with them too, because I cannot do the whole, my I started a job and I have like a contract and how can I don't say to them so when I talked to my family they were all like disagreed they disagreed and they were worried actually and one thing I can say it's their right to be worried because in a country like Afghanistan especially some conservative provinces when you go out and you don't expect to be home alive at night so I think it was their right to be worried about what I decided to do but I talked to them like you're my parents, I love you, and so I've grown up with you, but I cannot 
live the life that my sisters have lived, my friends have lived, or our neighbor's daughters have lived. I really don't want to accept to live according to society's expectations. So according to society's expectations, I had to see how I had to see that home. I had to learn cooking. I had to learn clean house. I had to learn how to be only a good housewife and a mother and nothing else. I didn't want to be summarized in being only a housewife and a mother. I wanted to consider my own heart. I wanted to consider uh, my inside wishes. What do I want from life? I shouldn't sacrifice my life to my husband and to my children, of course. If one day I want to for my family, I will do that. But I don't want to forget myself too. Like I'm also human and I have dreams, I have goals. I want to be free. I want to do things that I really want to do. After a while when they have seen that I am going on well and I'm enjoying it and I have an income, now I'm an independent woman. So yeah, they had no problem actually. My mother, she was praying and my father, he was not telling me anything, but I'm sure inside he was proud of me. Once I came to the society, it was like harder because even if like in Afghanistan, I was always a little bit outgoing. You see me like this, I had only my scarf and I have it here even in European country too because that was my choice and I couldn't wear like burqa, I couldn't wear like a long chader and people were looking at me strangely and insulting me with some words especially if I had guests who were women it was good because I was walking with a woman and they didn't care a lot but if my guests were only men I never forgot those strange eyes who were looking blamely at me or the words they used to insult me or even there were some crazy boys sitting all around the street having no work they were like hitting me with stones and i think i received no positive energy from the society like even if people who were educated and they were working in historical attractions they were telling me oh you are a girl it's dangerous for you you are not only putting your own life in danger but also you're putting your the lives of your guests and these foreigners in danger so if you want to continue with this job you have to have a colleague who is man or like in Herat as I told you beside the great mosque of Herat there are a lot of beautiful shrines that you would love exploring whenever I was taking my guests there I remember there was a clergyman who he was always telling me you has a Russian girl again you have to repent it's not late and you shouldn't do it anymore so they were thinking I'm spreading evil and uh, I'm doing a bad thing but the only gun I used to fight with them was just a smile and I think a smile was enough to make them understand that I won't give up and what I'm doing is right and what you're doing is not right. So yeah, I've gone on, but very soon I was not alone. I had the world who were having my bag and since like the CNN, they contacted me that you are now as the first female tour guide of Afghanistan. And once my story 
was on international media outlets and it was once the headline of media outlets. I think uh, there were a lot of people from all around the world, especially travelers, those who were coming to Afghanistan or not. They were sending messages from my Facebook messenger or an Instagram messenger telling me that Fatima, you are not alone. We are having your bag. You are an inspiration and you don't only inspire women in Afghanistan, but also you are an inspiration for a lot of women all around the world. When deciding to share my story or not, it was not very easy for me because I was living in Afghanistan and I knew if I publish my story, especially on international, very famous international media outlets like Daily Times or CNN or Telegraph UK, it would be dangerous for me and I knew it would have the challenges but from one side, I started to be the first female tour guide, but I didn't want to be the last. I wanted more girls to come in tourism industry and to work as tour guides. And like, even not considering the tourism industry, I wanted women to don't forget themselves, sacrificing themselves for their husband and wife or their family. Like, for example, I do believe that I have to be a changer, not a victim. Most of the women who are in Afghanistan, and they decided to be the victims of what society expected from them. I didn't want to be the victim. I wanted to be the changer. I wanted to change my life rather than being the victims of a situation in Afghanistan. So yeah, I decided to like take the risk and to publish my story so that more women in Afghanistan could read my story and they could think what do we really want from life and I'm happy that it was also inspiring for women all around the world actually not women in Afghanistan alone. Wow well Fatima you are an incredibly courageous and inspiring young woman. Thank you actually it's nice of you. Incredibly courageous, incredibly inspiring. It's an honor to have this conversation with you right now. Can I ask, how old were you when you started to work as a tour guide? I think I was 20 years old. Yeah, I was 20 years old. Okay, wow. To do that and to have that amount of courage and wisdom and self-knowledge at age 20 is very impressive indeed. So thank you so much for sharing that story with us. So when the Taliban took over Afghanistan in 2021, you were still living and working in Herat, but now you are studying in Italy. So what's your story from that time? How did you go from Herat to Milan? Definitely when Taliban came to Afghanistan, like even before Taliban, when I decided to publish my story, the Security Council, they told me and also contacted the company so many times that Fatima has to be very careful because now she's a target for terroristic groups like Taliban and Istanbul. So they were, even the company were asking me to, for example, wear longer clothes and not to be different than other women in order to not attract their attentions. And whenever I had guests in Herat, I had to call or I had to give the information of my guests to the security council so they could be in picture. And in case something happened, they, I mean, they could control or something like this. Once Taliban arrived, the company were asking me to leave. And not only the company, everybody like who knew me through like the social media or have read the articles about me or my guests, I've guided them in Afghanistan, all were asking me that. It was just like an attack. I mean, they wanted 
me to be safe but for me like imagine when you check your mobile phone there is messages you have to leave it's dangerous for you you will be killed and they don't only kill you they will also kill your family and moreover like the security council they called to the company that you have to say Fatima that she has to leave otherwise we cannot guarantee her life and things like this so actually for me as somebody who have fought a lot and as As a seven years old girl to be the first female tour guide of Afghanistan, having the organization or my radio program or university, everything. I it was not easy. Like my loved ones, it was easy. It was not easy to like leave them all behind and take my way and go in another corner of the world. So I always dream to study in a very famous universities of the world and then turn back to Afghanistan to use my new experiences and new perspective in order to develop things especially for women in Afghanistan but I never dreamt to escape from my country like that but I think I only thought about one thing and that one thing was a reason for me to leave that was my loved ones if I don't leave the country they don't only hurt me but also like my loved ones out there and I didn't want that so I decided to leave Herat and I left Herat like one month I stayed in Kabul in a dormitory room since Taliban captured Herat before and I was actually in Kabul I was waiting for government to take Herat back so that I could return and start everything so unfortunately things happened very fast they already captured Herat and they decided to capture Uh, Kabul. So in that time, like the companies that I was working, they were doing some fundraisers to help the tour guides to get out from Afghanistan. Things happened very fast. They asked me to come to Pakistan. And I got a Pakistani visa. I just remembered that I think it was 15 of August that I was collecting my stuffs in that dormitory room and I wanted to go to the airport that the dormitory manager, he knocked the door telling me that Fatima Taliban captured Kabul, we cannot protect you, so you have to get out. And that was just... Actually, I was shocked and I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. Once I got my like suitcase, I got out of the dormitory and I just saw people who... Streets were full of people who were... Same as me, they were shocked and terrified. Each one wanted, were running faster than each other in order to get into a destination. But maybe the difference between me and them, it was that I didn't have a destination to go. I didn't know what to do there. So I even didn't have Chedor or Borka and I was thinking, this is the end of my life. And what if like they have like taken me like this and what will happen? I have nowhere to go. So it was, I think I got out at eight o'clock. I think it was 1 p.m. And then till 8 p.m. I was just walking on unknown streets, just like a corpse or dead body who was moving. But I think at eight, it was the tour operator of our company. He was living in Kabul and he called me that, Fatima, did you make the flight to Pakistan? Oh, I remembered. I, I forgot the flight to Pakistan. I missed it because I was really shocked. And he told me, no problem. You just come to our home, get a taxi. And our friends in Italy, they're working to get us out of Afghanistan. Hopefully, there I found out that there are a lot of people all around the world who are working hard to get me out of Afghanistan. And I found my name on like six to seven flight lists. But, you know, like getting a seat in the play 
was not hard for me. It was easy. But in that time, getting into the airport was hard since Taliban were pushing us back. I remember like my first flight was to America. Together with two sport women from Bamiyan, we went to the airport. And, you know, it was just like a horror movie. And I wish it was a horror movie. It was the real life that we were going through. A lot of gunshots, people who were killed, people who were injured, people who were, they lost their children. And I think probably you could find, it was those days who people were like falling down from the wings of airplanes. And I think in that time, I was thinking like that guy who was falling down from the airplane wing, it was not him, it was Afghanistan. It was our country and it was all our people. It was not only him, it was me, it was everybody else who was sold out and something like this. So we tried hard to get into the airport and we even get near to the airport gate. But I remember like my friend among the crowd because nearly everybody wanted to leave the country and the only place they could refer it was the Kabul airport and nowhere else. So we get near to the airport gate and my friend, because she was not receiving oxygen for a long time, she fainted. And I remember a member of Taliban who was a Pakistani Punjabi Taliban. He just pulled like his gun and holding it straightly to me, telling me like two times he threatened me, go away. Otherwise I would kill you. And believe me, he was not kidding. He was serious hopefully the man who was next to me he could speak pashto and he explained and pleased him she's trying to help her friend she's not trying to enter in the airport and hopefully like he was convinced and he didn't kill me so we like got out of the crowd and we went back next time we had a flight to holland and actually we went to the airport it was the same story. I never forget. There was a girl like just behind us. She was killed by Taliban's gunshot and they like cruelly thrown her into a black plastic bag. Or there was a journalist who was known and they teared up all his documents and six people were hitting him with their guns and they finally took him into the airport. Sometimes I'm still thinking about him. Where is he? Is he killed? Is he alive? Is he released? Is he still in the prison? And things like this. But unfortunately, again, we couldn't enter to the airport because the tour operator of my company, he was even beaten by Taliban and Taliban were even beating us. So we decided to go back because entering into the airport didn't worth our life. But before going back, we went somewhere that there was not crowd. We decided to receive a little bit of oxygen and drink some water. And there, like a boy who nearly 24 years old, he was looking at us strangely and asked us, do you want to go to foreign countries or like everybody, you come here with your electricity bill. And we said, no, we have our documents. We want to get out, but Taliban, they are pushing us back. So he said, I know a member of Taliban and if you pay for him, he will help you to get near to the foreign soldiers. So that we pay $300. At the moment, nobody else, they wanted only dollars. And it's very interesting because most of the times they're saying we are hating like foreigners. We are hating America and America should get out of the country. And But they're dying for dollars. And so we just give them $300. And at the moment, one of our friends had only that $300. And we paid that to him and he helped us or managed to get us near to from a hidden way he helped us to get near to the foreign soldiers so once we get to the near to the foreign soldiers 
I don't really remember. I think he was a French or he was an Italian soldier who helped us, who has known us and helped us to get into the airport. And once I get into the airport, I just thank God and I was feeling safe. But, you know, it was an, an strange feeling because I know I was safe and I knew nobody else could hurt me anymore. But when I was in the plane, I was just like a dead body and I didn't know what I'm really doing. And I was just shocked. I think leaving all those things behind was not easy for me, especially like when you decide to travel to somewhere or to get a plane, you will have your family who say goodbye to you or like pour water after you or... At least you will hug them and you properly will say goodbye. But my situation was like, I even couldn't say goodbye to them. And they even didn't know that I'm going to go to Italy or France or somewhere that probably the whole length of my life, I would never see them again. And I just called to my father the night that I had my flight. And that night I could contact my father that I'm not going to Pakistan I'm going to Italy. Yeah, so it's like one year and or even more than one year I'm in Italy. Oh my gosh, Fatima, what an incredibly traumatic experience that must have been. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It just breaks my heart to hear that you've been through that, but thank you so much for sharing it. So I wonder, have you been in touch with your family since you've moved to Italy? We were living in a very small town and since the Taliban arrived there, so the internet connection is not working there and it's hard to contact them, but I have to call them directly, which I'm a student and I'm not working. So it would be hard for me to afford that. But again, like uh, once in two weeks or once in a month, I try to like call them, which I think it's pretty expensive because if internet, it's okay, but it's not internet. I have to like buy credit card, which like one minute, 10 euros. And that is pretty expensive. Wow. So I only can talk with them like maybe 10 minutes or five minutes or with my mother mostly, not others. Well, I'm sure your parents are very grateful to know at least that you're safe. Yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, at least, yeah, I'm happy because my mother, she says that I'm glad that you are gone because I knew if you were in Herat, in Afghanistan, you were not that kind of woman to sit at home. (laughs) (laughs) And if you were going out doing all those things again, I'm sure Taliban would have heard you and that was harder. Wow. So could you tell me about what you're doing now in Milan? I understand you're a student there. Is that right? Yeah, like once I arrived to Italy, I actually I needed to work the very first days. Also, like mentally, I was not very good. Like around three months, I was only like, I don't know how to express it. But it was just I had in my life, I never had a panic attack, but I got so many panic attacks and there were like nights that I was only crying from a point I decided like to not to I mean to feel okay even if you are not okay but you have to feel okay because that is your right and even if you like you don't feel okay it means you're killing yourself nobody else so I needed to work because my family in Afghanistan they lost their jobs once Taliban arrived there so I, I was the only one to support them I started working in a company in Milan and also like it was taking my time a lot and I needed to learn the language and things like this. So I decided to like quit that job, but I started working online in a company called Solo Female Travelers, Spanish. It's a Spanish company. 
so I was supporting my family, but beside that, in Afghanistan, I told you about the organization that we have. I was also voluntarily teaching a class at five in the morning. I wanted my students to continue, so I hired a teacher and I was paying for the teacher in order to support those girls to learn their English so that they could change their future. But I think it was, yeah, two months ago. I think in September I started university, so I couldn't work anymore. But I'm studying international politics and government in a university in Milan called Bocconi. I love Italy and I love Milan too because I think Italy is a world to be seen, to be explored. And beside that, I think Italian people are nice. Fatima, you are now 24 years old, studying at university. What do you see in your future? You know, what do you hope to do? five, 10, 15 years down the road? Well, when I was in Afghanistan, I was always dreaming to open a tourism organization to organize tours around Afghanistan. And beside that, I wanted to have the organization to train female tour guides. And beside that, I wanted to be a woman who opened a lot of schools for refugee uh, girls who were like me and who have suffered, but really wanted to get an education. I'm still dreaming of that. I dream one day I can open at least two schools in some war-torn provinces or like among refugee girls. And beside that, I want to open my tour organization. Actually, this is the first plan if I ever could go to Afghanistan and things were changed. But beside that, if I stay here, I still will support women in Afghanistan. I still want to have these schools. I want to be an entrepreneur woman. And also a journalist who reflect on Afghanistan. And yeah, like I want to be an independent woman who, yeah, like I told you, I'm connected to women back in Afghanistan because I'm a woman who have lived this story. And I think nobody else can understand those women who are living this story now better than me because I've experienced that. And I want to make the way a little bit easier for them in order to follow their dreams and go their own way and change their life. Thank you so much, Fatima. This has been an incredibly inspiring and moving and fascinating conversation for me. I really appreciate your time and all of the stories that you've shared. I wonder, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience before we say goodbye? One thing I truly believe and I want to share is like humanity is everything in our lives and humanity, like no religion, no border. And we shouldn't only care about ourselves, considering humanity, we should care about all the ones who are suffering all around the world. And I think when God created us, he didn't mean I'm Fatima from Afghanistan, you're Paige from France, or she's from Italy, she's American, but also he created us all human beings. So let's be the human he has created us. Thank you so much. Fatima Hidari, what an inspiring young woman. I am really looking forward to following what Fatima gets up to in the years ahead, because something tells me that whatever she does, it's going to be worth watching. So check the show notes for links to where you can learn more about Fatima, as well as more about Untamed Borders, the company that she was guiding for in Afghanistan, which also runs trips to places like Syria and Yemen, as well as to South Sudan and the Democratic Republic of Congo, and lots of other cool, off-the-beaten-track destinations. So that's it for this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for spending your time with me and with Fatima today. It really means a lot. 
You've been listening to the Better Travel Podcast, and I am your host, Paige McClanahan. Jessica Danheiser composed our score, and the fantastic team at We Edit Podcasts edited this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you in two weeks. Bye.